0: I would yeah. advise first is to start creating connections on social media platforms so this could be on instagram instagram dms this could be through facebook clubhouse is a wonderful application Oh, wow! to get in touch with producers or even co-hosts and start pitching yourself but also word of mouth if you have a friend within your circle who's appeared on a, a television show and they have a similar sort of niche ask them if they'd be willing to share their contact it's a yeah. 50-50 if they will or they won't but all of this is doable without an agent and I think for a long time we thought okay we need someone to do this outreach for us you truly don't because once you're in the yeah. circle once you've started incorporating one or two shows they will recommend you to other people or brands will find you through those shows
1: hello hello this is your host Diotima. Well, here on this podcast, I promise to keep it raw and real and hope you find your answers, action, and inspiration as we move through the episodes. Hi, guys. Today we are talking to Jesse Sierra Ross. Now, Jesse is incredible. Jesse is a rock star. Jesse is a TV personality. Jessie is a food and lifestyle blogger. She's a recipe developer and she's also a cocktail specialist. Now that's something special. And I'm so looking forward to my conversation with her because you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about being on TV. We're going to talk about bringing food photography, food styling to TV and how that translates to the big screen. So you're passionate about food and food styling and cooking. Then how do you show up on TV? How do you present it on TV? Who do you approach? Who do you talk to? How do you script your recipes? How do you select your recipes? How do you choose your products? What's the gear that you use? Do you tune in or do you go on the set? Do you have a co-host? Do you have a chef to work with? Do you have an oven? Do you bake a turkey? Do you make a cocktail? Ha! Jesse answers all of that for us. So aren't you excited for this episode? Because I sure am. All right, with that, on to Jesse. Hi, Jesse, and welcome to My Food Lens podcast. I'm so excited to have you. And that's because we have never had a TV personality on our podcast before. So thank you very much for making us look so glamorous, so fancy. <laughs> I'm also so excited because usually on a Sunday night, I'm pretty grumpy. I'm like dreading Mondays, but I'm so looking forward to our conversation. You just made Sunday night so exciting. I'm looking forward to talking all about TV, all about content creation, all about recipe creation, everything about the big screen, and you're such a master at it. So no one better than you to tell us all about it. But before we move forward, could you please introduce yourself to our audience, your name, business, location, and all the good stuff?
0: Oh my goodness, with an introduction like that, I feel like we are at a cocktail party. I'm going to pull up my wine. Such a, such a pleasure to be here. Yes, so my name is Jessie Sierra Ross and I am the blogger and food stylist behind Straight to the Hips Baby, where I focus on light and bright photography with lush floral aspects and I just love a good recipe and stiff cocktail. I'm located in Boston,
1: Massachusetts in the U.S. Amazing. I'm totally with you on the stiff cocktail. Wouldn't be bad to have one. (laughs) But I know something very interesting about you. And that is that you were a ballerina. Not many people might know this who are listening. So tell us a little bit about from a ballerina to food videos to TV, like what got you here?
0: You know, it's such a funny question because it's a funny story. You think of a ballerina and the lifestyle is very strict. It's creative and fun, but it doesn't involve a ton of food and cocktails. But, you know, I like to say I'm making up for lost time. So I was a professional ballerina for 20 years and I had such an amazing life during that time. I performed with an international group of extremely talented dancers and then all over new england and it was definitely a lifestyle that i really engaged with it really informed my eye my perspective as it went on into food photography and styling you know that light bright elegance and i always say that easy elegance is truly from my time in theater but as i came down to the end of my career and started to transition into a family life I realized I had a passion for food and the detail that I brought to my career as a dancer where, you know, even how you hold your hands or the tilt of your head so yeah. that the stage lights can kiss that cheek just perfectly or the leg swings up effortlessly. I needed to bring to my food and my food photography. So it's been a really interesting transition. And I think that you can see in my work, if you go to my my site or my social media accounts, you can see that theatrical side of me in my photographs. You know, the tutus might be missing and I may have replaced (laughs) it with an apron, but it is still very much there.
1: Yeah. And the florals, the grace, the kind of that feminine touch, I can definitely see it. Oh, my God. I can so relate to it right now. But uh, Jesse, one thing that before we move forward, I think I just have to tell our audience that you're not just a TV personality, you're quite a food blog school pro hero, you know, you have this fantastic channel on food blog school, where you talk so much about food styling, photography, blogging, podcasting and that's you know how we connected but yeah. there's so much more like it's not just tv i know that we're going to focus on that in this episode but if someone really wants to get into everything related to food photography they should definitely tune into your food blog school so i just wanted to leave this in here before we proceed further Thank
0: sorry you. i missed that
1: in the beginning but perfect perfect so i totally see your style i see it in your photos and i relate it definitely to your personality so how did you get into tv what was your first gig tell us that
0: it's really quite funny so being in theater i am a pretty natural razzle dazzle (laughs) performer i really enjoy the spontaneity of live television it's very much like live theater if you're doing a ballet you're out on stage and once you're out there That's it, you have control. And my first TV gig was actually accidental. It was through meeting a local TV anchor uh, through friends, and we were discussing our love of food and cocktails. And she said, hey, would you like to be on our program? And my first instinct was (laughs) to kind of shake yeah, 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 because dance is a silent art. We don't speak so to think about speaking on camera was a little bit intimidating but i really embraced the idea of the phrase why not And why not say yes to more opportunities? So I kind of gave myself a kick in the pants and said yes. And so I first appeared on a a local morning chat show. And I have to tell you, I didn't really know what I was doing. I practiced for days before because I only had three minutes to present a full recipe, which you know is Mm. is quite difficult. Mm. And once i i was on set and i met the the co-host and the lights turned on it felt like i was slipping back into my old point shoes it was really truly a performance aspect that i enjoyed so from there it kind of built on itself i started to connect with other tv producers in new england and seek out opportunities. And it's become such a huge facet of my business, but also my content creation. It's interlocked now. So sometimes I will have recipes already made that I may show on TV, but other times I will get uh, business bids to create recipes for TV content that then appear as sponsored content on my post. So it's very fluid and it is so fun.
1: Oh, wow. That's amazing. It's just by chance you were there, but then you were in your element as well. You were used to an audience. You were used to being in the spotlight.
0: <laughs> right. For better yeah. or for
1: worse. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, I, got, I guess that comfort kind of comes for somebody who's never, ever been exposed to a big audience or being in front of a live audience. It can be a bit intimidating. That's interesting. So tell me a little bit. I know you you just mentioned that, but tell me just a little bit more on everything that you do for tv so you said recipe creation and then also some videos so tell us just get into a little more detail for us there Oh, absolutely. So there's several
0: ways that we can create content for TV work. One of the most popular ones that I do is I will be hired to come in to present a recipe of mine, which also includes the still photography that I do as well. But there's more aspects than just coming in with your ingredients and showing up with some photographs. You have to really choose wisely with the recipes that you are going to prepare, knowing that you typically only have between two and a half minutes and six minutes tops to create a fully fledged dish while making small talk with a host where you don't really know what they're going to say and then you know you might burn your oil in the middle of it so you have to be ready with the correct recipe so that means really diving in deep pre-preparing whatever you can ahead of time so if I were to make a cake I would always have a cake finished for that magic of TV moment where you bring it out and you say this is my delicious cake even if the recipe on camera was just a disaster because what the audience will remember is that delicious cake finished So I will exactly your finished hero shot right there and so when I come to the studio I come with my equipment I come with my ingredients I have pieces of the recipe already done I will have everything pre-portioned so that I don't have to take up a lot of time Mm. and I will always set the stage as well I will set the studio occasionally you will have producers, assistant production assistants, who will cook your food ahead of time and style. But more often than not, the budgets are quite small. So you are the food stylist. So you are bringing in props as well. So that's one element. Another element is when I have sponsored TV posts, Mm. which are wonderful. I really enjoy doing that for brands. So they will give me an ingredient, let's say it's a dairy product, and they want to feature that ingredient for a holiday or an upcoming event. And they say, hey, Jess, we would like recipes we'd like you to create stills we want to feature it on our site but we also want you to present it and use your sort of star power that sort of connection to your local audience to help bolster sales of this product so then I will go very similar to a sponsored post on social media or on your blog go through that whole process of discussing uh, the details with the brand what would they would like and then follow the same routine as before decide on the recipe pre-plan and sort of have everything together as much as possible set the scene have your talking points occasionally you'll have bullet points from the brand that you will also have to sort of mention in regards to the product and then you just go from there
1: oh wow oh my god that's amazing it's so interesting oh gosh this is all so new and also so interesting because i come from a world of still life photography (laughs) I come from a very different kind of a world so you know having three minutes to present a recipe is like it just blows my mind and the (laughs) amount of preparation that you need to do you need to be really efficient you have to have everything thought out pre-planned you know exactly what to do when what to say when oh goodness it's another level of planning I'd say wow so Jesse, tell me who are your clients like You said food brands definitely engage you, but do TV shows engage you directly as well? Because you said you reach out to some producers. So who would you say are the clients in the TV world?
0: So in the TV world, it's an excellent question. When you start in this business, it's like any other field. You're starting at the bottom, you're gaining experience. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, realizing, connecting with different people, different producers, and it kind of builds on each other. So I tend to work with channels, mainly morning TV channels, but also national channels. And I've been fortunate enough to have appearances on several talk shows, but also with streaming platforms as well. And a lot of this video that is either created independently in my home, say if I'm making a pre-package to send out to a TV station, I can then use myself in bits and pieces. Um, So it's great for efficiency. Um, But mainly I'm dealing with local networks who are looking to provide food and drink content, as well as home entertaining content to their Mm. viewers to help. Up and break up their normal sort of chat show format.
1: Wow. Okay. And are you usually on the set or do you tune in from home? Because I've seen you doing kind of both. What's more? What's the percentage? And how's it currently?
0: Well, you know, like everyone else with COVID, it kind yeah. of felt like we just threw a bunch of apples in the air and uh, know, no. whatever lands, lands. Um, but uh, before COVID, I was almost exclusively in studio, which is a wonderful wow. experience. It is very yep. Hollywood. Yes. And, you know, with the assistants and the production team running around and the co-hosts, the anchors, everybody that's in that group, is it's just like live theater. But when COVID hit, an interesting phenomenon started. We were doing Zoom. So we were providing mm. content via Zoom, which is its own sort of dance, because right. there is that lag that pre planning, you need to have a proper space and lighting and sound and, but it opened up opportunity because whereas I can only show up in person, feasibly at this point in the yeah. New England area, All of a sudden I could show up in Texas or I could beam into San Francisco or I could even touch upon a more international audience because I had the convenience of having zoom so going forward I have definitely incorporated zoom as an active feature in my TV content production.
1: Wow, and that's the way to go. I think COVID has changed everybody's thinking. You know, suddenly, actually, it's opened up the world for a lot of folks. Like, we never imagined this was possible. So, is that more of what you're doing now? That's where where you're at? You know, I'm slowly getting
0: back in studio, but I am... Definitely. I would say it's more of a 60-40 at this point, 60% in studio, 40% still on Zoom. Oh, wow. Um, I think that you should still actively seek those Zoom opportunities while you can, just because it is so convenient. And I can produce recipes that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do as easily, not that you can't, but just as easily within the studio as I could in my home kitchen, where I know where everything is and I can have everything at my fingertips. Absolutely. Do you ever travel to be on a TV show? Do you? I do. You do. I do indeed. And oh, my God. It becomes, it becomes a weekend, and it's fun, and I come in with my grocery bags, and <laughs> I'm known as the lady with the cart because I will oftentimes bring my own uh, plates or equipment such as a food processor or my nice mixer because, for me, creating that perfect dish is the highlight, and I want to make sure that I'm providing a very high-quality uh Product, but also that I'm comfortable, so that when yeah. I get on on stage, quote unquote, um,
1: I'm ready and everything can go as smoothly as possible. Oh, absolutely, and and that's why you don't just need to have a personality in front of the camera; you need to have the good cooking skills and knowledge of your ingredients and processes. So, <laughs> fantastic, oh, absolutely, right? So, tell us a little bit more about the recipe creation. So. One part of it is when a brand approaches you, then obviously they have a product in mind that you're working with. But are there ever opportunities where you have a free hand? Okay, Jesse, come present your recipe, pick your favorite, You know, it's a morning show, whatever. So how do you select the right recipes? And even if you are given a certain product, how do you pick recipes? Are they based on three-minute you know, what can I present in three minutes? Or is it just based on, okay, I'm comfortable with this? So what's your criteria? How do you go about it? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, it's, that's an
0: excellent question. And I, I want to circle back to what you said about efficiency. A lot of it has to do with efficiency. Right. So it's how can I produce this recipe in a way that's efficient with my time as well as the studio time? So if I were given, I'm almost given free reign the majority of the time, Um, there may be requests in the sense of, hey, we would like to have summer cocktails. Can you show us something from your catalog that's more summery? So there's certain kind of stretchers like bumpers that I can fall into, but a majority of the time I can come in and create what speaks to me, which is really, really fortunate. It's, It's been a lovely experience in that way occasionally with products, uh, brand endorsements, things like that, they will have something very specific in mind. So they will come in and say, I would like you to do something for the big game, which is a big football event here in the States. And they will tell me we need it to be an appetizer that is simple enough for a novice cook, but mm-hmm. also refined enough that a more experienced cook would definitely make this for their guests. So that's a great parameter. But for me, when I decide on a recipe, I want to make sure first that it's visual appealing so I can't get on and necessarily make a beef stew I wouldn't necessarily choose that recipe because it's very brown right. And so when you're dealing with studio lights it's out of your control. You don't know what the set is like, you don't know what the surfaces are like. So what I try to do is think of color, think of freshness, think of that young factor, all the facets that we use in still photography, truly, right? want to think about color theory, uh, texture, we want to think about our lighting situation. So all of that comes into play as I choose a recipe. And I will say uh, foods that are seasonal always play very well. So I wouldn't necessarily make, oh, goodness. I don't know, a, a hard lemonade recipe yeah. uh, in the middle of January, I would think, yeah. okay, I need to do a comfort food like a, a chicken paprikash, which is really soothing and also it right. works really well with color theory because it's that orange, I can add some green from garnish, I can serve it on a white plate so it pops and it's very easy for me
1: to prepare on set. Right. I would totally do a lemonade in January because I live in Singapore.
0: <laughs> oh, that's right. It's the reverse. Goodness yes.
1: gracious. Well, <laughs> and, and I, I need to do more of that. Yeah. So for us, seasons are like, we're always in the tropics. We're always sipping pina coladas, you know, whether it's January or whatever. So I think this, actually, that's a great, uh, I, I would love to hear the thoughts on this. I feel like TV is a bit different in every country, every region. Mm -hmm. So what works in the US might be a little different from India, might be a little different from London, might be a little bit different from Singapore. Of course the principles and you know the fundamentals are still the same but like creating recipes, how do you choose your recipes? It also depends on where it's going to be broadcast is you know who's the audience, where are they living? So I guess that's an important consideration as well.
0: It's a tremendous one. And it's one that should be brought up in the conversation before you ever step on set. So I think Mm. this is a very important topic for those of us who are just starting out is to really befriend your producer, ask your questions. And just like you said, the seasonality, where is your audience located? What is their preference? What has been done before? What can you do? They have an idea of what they would like to see. This is all very, very important information because you want to, again, you want to provide the best content you can tailored to the audience at hand so that conversation should definitely be done as well as discussing whether or not they have a kitchen because sometimes you walk into a studio and it's it's a desk. oh you can come in and and create something that's been you know oven bait when there's no oven so a lot of these things are questions to do ahead of time ask about appliances ask about kitchens audiences time zones uh,
1: optimum audience members absolutely that's a great point Oh gosh oh, so much to think about but tell me one thing like since you brought up producers I have this question I want to ask you how do you reach out to producers how do you know these people you know do you have to be in the on the page three to to get in touch with <laughs> them or, or are these people no. approachable how do you, how do you know them?
0: Oh, there's so many ways to go around it. And I know it's incredibly intimidating at first. I I am the first one to say that I honestly had no idea. I I would advise first is to start creating connections on social media platforms. So this could be on Instagram, Instagram DMs. This could be through Facebook. Clubhouse is a wonderful application. Oh, wow! to get in touch with producers or even co-hosts and start pitching yourself but also word of mouth if you have a friend within your circle who's appeared on a, a television show and they have a similar sort of niche ask them if they'd be willing to share their contact it's a yeah. 50-50 if they will or they won't but all of this is doable without an agent and I think for a long time we thought okay we need someone to do this outreach for us you truly don't because once you're in the yeah. circle once you've started incorporating one or two shows they will recommend you to other people, or brands will find you through those shows. So, what I would do is create relationships, genuine relationships, because it has to be authentic. And I know we toss right. that word around a lot, yeah. but truly be involved in the program's work, make comments, compliment, start befriending the anchors, the producers. You can also use LinkedIn to mm. research producers as well. There's a lot of different elements that you can use, and then just go out, reach out. Introduce yourself, what you do, where you're located, and suggest, hey, if you ever need any food and beverage content, I am available. Here is my website, here's my portfolio. Always come from a place of service, of helpfulness. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is approach either a producer or a co-host and say, You need me. Here's my content. No, that's not going to yeah. work. Yeah. Genuine friendships are really how you keep going in this business.
1: And how long have you been working with the TV producers now? How long has it been? Oh, goodness. I think it's almost four years. Almost oh, four wow. Years since
0: I started my first program. Yeah. And oh, wow. as mine was a friend of a friend, right? An introduction, a chance introduction. Yes. Those will happen as well. Start hmm. minding those contacts
1: and say yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Network is everything and a leap of faith is another. <laughs> Huge. Absolutely. So I'm going to come back to our conversation about recipes and food and tell me one thing. So obviously, a lot goes into deciding the right recipe, the right product. You have to make sure that the studio is equipped with whatever you need for that recipe. But this one thing you mentioned, you mentioned that you always have the finished product ready, the finished item ready to show, you know, in the end, okay, this is what it looks like. So in Mm -hmm. the still life world, there are definitely a lot of food styling hacks to make food look good for the camera. Sometimes it's undercooked. Sometimes it's made classy. Sometimes we put some stuff on it. Uh, So tell me, do you do that as well? Like what food styling elements do you keep in mind when you're creating that final product, which has to be like the money shot? Right. So what do you do? Tell us.
0: You know, it's really interesting because in a TV studio scenario, sometimes things change or they move very quickly. Your segment may be bumped so that that finished product, if you're creating, you know, a roast, it's going to die on the counter because it's changed. The timing has changed. So, yes, food styling hacks. I tend to pride myself on making sure that the food that I create is always edible. Mm. So there I don't use Elmer's glue to create a, a shine or fake milk I, I will occasionally spray water on produce to make it a little bit fresher or to revive herbs or that citrus cut. Um, What I tend to do is focus really on the planning. Everything is planned to the timing. So when I am getting ready to go into the studio that morning at about 6 a.m., I typically will have a text message with the producer asking them, hey, how is your schedule going? Are we still on time? And wow. from there, or have them turn the ovens on before I get there, so that I can, you know, reheat my um, salmon en um, croute right as I arrive, and so that when I pull it out of the oven, it's juicy and not dried out. Um, for me, timing is everything. As right. far as hacks or, or styling, I always fall back onto the old color theory or yeah. the creating texture again of creating a scene. I, in my food photography, I want to introduce the viewer not only to my food but also the experience of my mm. food. I, t- I tend to say to people, "I want you to feel that you're coming into my kitchen and into my dining room to sit down and enjoy this this yeah. you know recipe of roasted chicken and potatoes or whatever I'm making." And I bring that same ethos to my TV food content. I want that viewer to feel like as they're looking through the television, I can not only make this for myself, but I feel like I am sitting at that kitchen counter with the TV host and in myself and having that really immersive experience of not only learning how to cook that recipe, looking at that beautiful food that's perfectly styled, but also the sort of warmth, that banter that you have with the co-host too. So it creates that friendly feel. So uh, TV food hacks, Plan, plan, plan. If you have yeah. a recipe that you know is delicate, that will die on the counter, it, that it needs a lot of attention, don't do it. Don't do it. When yeah. you do it at home, through a Zoom, in-studio, yeah. you want to use tried and true recipes that can be stellar, even if they are waiting five or 10
1: minutes. Right. So you brought up such a good point because we're talking all about difference between still life and and the resemblance to kind of still life like you talk about color theory and all of that you just touched upon storytelling so in still life we create storytelling with ingredients or props but you have a real chance <laughs> to create that storytelling in your uh, show so tell us a little bit about you know time is so short right time is like 3 minutes how much can you really talk plus you're telling the recipe so how do you bring that storytelling component when you are presenting a recipe Oh, such a fabulous question and
0: um I think it depends on the situation. So sometimes I will do a Zoom uh, TV segment or I'm by myself on set and then I can chat away. I'm like yeah. a little chicken. <laughs> dip, 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 and I will tell a, a little bit about the technique. I will add a family story because typically a lot of my recipes have that family component because I come from a large family. Right. Um, food is love in my world. And so I will engage just like if I was at a dinner party, you know, engage my guests, which right now in that moment is the TV cameras. So right. getting comfortable talking to the camera as if it's your best friend or your mother, you know, it's it's bringing them in. When you're on set, what you said is very true. Not only are you cooking and you're talking and you're making small talk with the co-host, it's a lot. There's a lot yeah. going on. Yeah. So going in, what I tend to do is I have a couple of facts that I would like to discuss. Mm-hmm. It could be a cooking technique, it could be an ingredient technique, um, but also a couple of personal sort of one sentence sort of liners. Um, uh, The other day I made this beautiful homemade chicken soup, comfort food right from the soul in my mother-in-law's recipe so i got on stage we're we're making our soup and i say yes this soup is amazing i first learned it as a young newlywed from my mother-in-law and she's a fantastic cook i can only hope to be as good as she is but i like to add my own spin you know like that's yeah. how you spin it is you add a yeah. quick something and again authenticity don't make up your facts don't make up your stories People will know, people will see, you need to be genuine. So come in sort of prepped with bullet points in your mind of cooking techniques, ingredient techniques or facts, and then little bits of story. But, um, you know, the co-host, it's always important to check in with your co-host as well before the shoot. Some co-hosts just want to stand and watch. Maybe they'll talk a little bit. Maybe they won't. Some co-hosts, which are the ones that are really fun to work with, they'll jump right in. Yeah. So you'll be cooking and they're playing with your sharp knives. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to oversee. You're like, yeah, don't cut your finger off. <laughs> But check in with your co-hosts as early as possible, whether that's in the weeks before, or even just a moment before the camera rolls, ask them, how comfortable are you? How, what would you like to discuss? Because some co-hosts are very knowledgeable about yeah. cooking, and it can be really fun, and they can kind of throw you. I've been thrown a couple yeah, of times by really. someone who had <laughs> a lot of experience. Like, well, my goodness, let's, let's do this. I, uh, let me learn from you. <laughs> oh wow. but, um, Storytelling is about personality. And so yeah. let your personality shine through as you go and you, you're cooking on screen.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, my God. It must be a blast to be on the set. <laughs> it sounds like fun, stressful, but so fun. <laughs> yeah. Very much, very much. And you meet so many different people. This Wednesday, yeah. I'm
0: going on set and I, I'm there on zoo day. So I will be feeding parrots. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fun. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> so it's definitely fun one thing that I always wonder is how many takes does it take to get through like one scene if I can use that term so you know usually it's like I'm like how do they know what to say why are they not fumbling why is it so smooth and then when you say that you have three minutes like the three minutes really stuck in my head Uh, Do you make the script? Does someone else give you the script? And how do you time it to three minutes and still keep it spontaneous? And how much wiggle room do you have to kind of slip and fumble? You know, some of my most (laughs) funny stories (laughs) are with the timing.
0: I, I would first say is most of the time when I walk into a TV studio, it's live. It's live TV. We're no. not pre really recorded. No. So, right. There are no retakes. Oh, gosh. Um, But that was because I've practiced. In the early days, I would usually do a live and then a taped. And yeah. sometimes you do get a redo, but time is money. So if you can streamline or get used to fumbling and just going through. And in the world of dance, we always say if you fall down, get yeah. back up. Yeah. the audience will, will applaud and i mean even in this conversation i've you know stuttered a bit you keep going it's right. okay you drop your knife that's okay one time i forgot to pre-prep an ingredient on set in a live shoot and it was for like whipped cream i forgot my cream and i looked around and i'm in the middle and, and normally we would serve this with whipped cream but you could also serve it with a berry coolie you know <laughs> you just kind of <laughs> tap dance around it go with the flow practice
1: practice
0: yeah. At talking to the camera, talking on IG lives, time yourself, get the flow. Uh, during a pre-tape, yes, you can ask for a redo, but you maybe will only get one because they have a very strict schedule. If you're on live TV, you just keep going and you get the feel also. And always remember a good co-host will give you uh indications that you're either a little early and they'll start to stretch it, or they'll give you, well, as we wrap up, Jess, can we see the finish? product they'll give you cues ah. um, occasionally you will get a script but I personally I can't I think I've only had that happen once um, wow. in all my television experiences and I've done 200 300 of them oh, by now wow. it's always been what I have planned in my mind or think of it as a conversation you're having a conversation with that co-host
1: oh wow so it sounds like you do have a lot of opportunity for a pre-production discussion either with the producer or the co-host like Mm -hmm. it seems like that is key to really executing well on the d-day is there a proper time that's allocated do you get several pre-production meetings or do you get one shot get all your questions all your discussions how does it work
0: you know it really depends on the channel everyone works a little bit differently i've had channels who are so prepared, they're so they're touching base with me two weeks before, a week before, hours before, then there are other channels who, it's pretty much radio silence. Yeah. And I have to reach out. I think what's important is that if you don't feel like that dialogue is being established by mm. the studio, you create the dialogue because they're used to working with different creators of every level, but also of every sort of comfort So there may be creators who would just like to pop in, make their recipe and pop out. Then there's other creators who, for their comfort level, would appreciate that check-in. So I would definitely say that after the initial pitch and the agreement and you're in discussions for that recipe, start bringing up your questions, start bringing up your concerns and make sure that they're done in a very polite, conversational way, but just in a way so that the producer understands that you are just a professional in this field. And asking these questions is very professional. You are coming in prepared and they will always appreciate that.
1: So has it ever happened that someone started, oh, why are they asking? Don't they know this stuff? Like, does anyone think like that? If you ask too many questions or if you're overprepared, does it ever come across like that?
0: So I'm very type A. And what is normal sort of checklist functioning for me is probably overdoing it for most. I Mm. think what it is, is your most important questions, which for me would be, what type of recipe do you want? Is this pre-taped or is it live? Will I have a co-host or am I on my own? What's the timing of the segment and what's the kitchen situation? Like those are my main questions. Everything else I can kind of roll in. Right. And adjust. So I think just identify your key points that you truly need to know before you go in, which I would suggest be that list. Right. And then see what happens. Once you start this production, unless it's really difficult or it's been really bumpy, they will ask you back. They will have you because there's so food content creators out there who are willing to not only show up with their delicious food, but act as that personality because a lot of us aren't trained. We're learning on the job. So they'll keep having you coming in and you'll form that relationship and you'll start to see what needs to happen with each studio or each show. So how I work with one station when I go in person is completely different than one that I do only Zooms with or another one where it's a much smaller station
1: where they don't have a kitchen. You'll learn the dance. Wow. And so tell us who all are on the set. Is it crowded or is it just a selected few? There's always like, you can be here, you can't be here. (laughs) Like who are the people on the set with you?
0: Oh, so there's the director. There's several producers, assistant producers. There are the camera men. There's sometimes a lighting uh, technician. There's a sound technician. Um, And sometimes these jobs are combined. There might be one person that takes care of all of it. Sometimes I'm on set where you're sharing the set. So the weatherman might be there and the morning news person might be there. Then you have your morning chat show anchors. Guests are coming in and out. You know, it's a lot of energy but it's very controlled. So once something starts taping, you need to be quiet and respectful. And that also means everything stops in the kitchen. You cannot make noise. So if you're prepping, you have to figure out when you can prep so that you are not interrupting another session, but it's fun. It's very loose you get to meet incredible people i've met um several politicians i've Hmm. met people from different foundations i've met chefs from acclaimed restaurants in the area and created this networking uh, event and you meet someone new every time and it's about creating those relationships and one of the best ways i'll tell you to foster those relationships is to leave the finished product when you're done give them lunch ah yeah and clean (laughs) up after yourself oh wow and I hate to say it many creators they leave it for the production assistant and it's just not nice clean up after
1: yourself because then they'll know that you are a team player and you will get extra gigs oh I love that I love that and I think that's even relevant for our still life commercial shoots Mm -hmm. Uh, so many photographers they walk in they'll shoot and they'll just leave the space as it is but yeah extra points definitely for leaving the space as you you know when you started it's about respect yeah mm. of course fantastic so you have audience that's coming in going out you have a full house of crew mm-hmm. and then you have co-hosts so mm-hmm. there's pressure from all sides oh goodness so another thing that i just always like wonder about being on tv is like even if you're going live on instagram I'm shaking. It's, (laughs) yeah, people are nervous. We are nervous of showing up on camera and then to be live in front of so many people. And not just that, you know that there's a camera and you're being broadcast on a bigger screen to a bigger audience, sometimes nationally. Goodness, it's high pressure, it's intense. So, how do you stay comfortable? How do you keep yourself calm? Or does it come with practice? How do you do that? it's a little bit of both um i think that
0: you want to set yourself up for success right so that that starts at home it goes back to that conversation of pre-planning having notes having those things in mind so you you know you have a catalog i sometimes will have a little joke or something like that if i need to (laughs) fill time ready Uh, you know a bad pun i'm queen of bad puns um (laughs) but it's about feeling confident and i think one of the ways as you said there's a lot of pressure there's yeah. a lot you're, you're there with seasoned professionals and you want to measure up you want to rise to that occasion and I would say practice 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 start to think about how you would speak to someone that you just met and that you want to teach and so you're going to speak as clearly as possible you are going to use terms that are easily understandable to say a novice chef um, you always want to really really remember that the people who are watching you, you can't assume that they know exactly what you're doing. So teach that for me, that's really where I come from is a place of teaching and also hosting. Again, it's that dinner party idea. Someone will come to my table and I will do everything I can to make them feel welcome same thing on the on the set i will do everything possible to make my tv guest feel as warm and welcomed as possible i would say practice in front of the mirror um that way you can sort of see how your hands you can see um i tend to talk a lot with my hands so i have to calm (laughs) that down when i'm on set yeah um and your mannerisms dress you know dress for success for me it means a blazer. (laughs) Um, feel good about yourself have you know your hair done or your makeup is ready Um, feel good about yourself feel confident about yourself and always remember if you have sort of a silence you're cooking you have something to do so if you run out of things to say say oh yes and this is how I chop onions you know there's always something that you can fill in but it's about practice and being comfortable take a deep breath and dive in because it's over in three minutes
1: (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's done before you know. Exactly. But, wow. So you do your own hair, makeup, and styling. Is that pre decided as well? What to wear, what colors, all of Question. that?
0: Um, It depends. If I'm doing a brand sponsored uh, segment, sometimes they'll ask me to wear certain colors to Mm. sort of represent their brand colors. But no, I I dress, I style myself. I'll have uh, studio ready makeup, which tends to be heavy street wear. And then you want to remember that studio lights, just like theater lights, they tend to wash you out. So you want to research how to contour, how to warm up your appearance, how to make your eyes look larger. Mm. Also, because it helps to show if you're very animated like I am, it really does help to have those features stand out. You want to dress professionally. So this could be business casual to full business. And you want to watch out especially for ladies. Uh, men, they tend to get away a little bit better with their clothing, but uh, ladies, clothing sometimes it can be sheer under certain lights so you want to check on that you want to stay away from certain colors like green because occasionally you're working in front of a green screen and suddenly you're part of the weather map um (laughs) (laughs) uh you know bright patterns you want to stay away from but you know you want to look put together cool and calm
1: as a cucumber oh gosh yet another thing to think about ha it's It's (laughs) fun yeah why not and has there ever been a time where you've had another chef and the two of you are on the set cooking together? Has that ever happened?
0: Yes. You oh, <laughs> tell <man>. my voice. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it can be very positive. It's fun. You'll go back and forth. You help each other out. And I love that. I love that. Okay. But there have been times when I've been in the second segment and the previous food content creator, didn't tidy up so in that rush to turn the studio over it's a live show you have limited time yeah i had to clean up their oh, and also set mine up so that's that's tricky and that goes to another question to ask the producers before you come in ask them how how early can you come into the kitchen is there going to be another kitchen area shot do you need to worry about timing because it can get tricky and you know this was really no one's fault it was just a back-to-back food shoot i have tag teamed before and it can be so fun you have to watch out that you don't end up in a pile of giggles um, on tv (laughs) uh, because it is so fun um but yeah pre-planning and you know watch out just just be polite be kind be respectful and you can handle any situation with those key points
1: yeah i just love how you said yes sometimes it's fun <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> okay got to trade myself <laughs> <laughs> so this was like a superb conversation about what happens when you're on the set and you are present in person in front of the camera but I've seen your videos. I've seen shows where you are dialing in, you're tuning in. You are in. You're on a Zoom call or whatever. So you are in another location. Then there are hosts who are in another location, and you're still hosting it together. So we'll talk just a little bit about that in that situation. How do things work? So first question is that um, obviously your recipes and everything, they kind of have a similar criteria, right? To Mm -hmm. uh, how you decide what to make. But then do you have any special gear that you need for this? Any special lights, mic, cameras? Tell us about that.
0: So really interesting question. It depends on what we're doing. So for a zoom, I tend to have two standing LED lights. These are the same lights that I would use for my still photography if I need to boost the light source. And what I'll do is I'll put them in front of me behind the camera just so that it livens it up because you can get some pretty tricky shadows in a home setting. I will also turn off any overhead lights because of the yellow cast. It's right. very important, just as in still photography, you can get unintended color fluctuations mm-hmm. and glare. Um, I tend to just use my um, earpods for zooms and an iPad on a stand. And right. so I tend to raise the stand up so it's looking down a bit at me, which is mm. more flattering to my yes. face shape, <laughs> I will be honest. Yes. But also so that they can see what my hands are doing. Occasionally I I've done a double camera setup where I will have that iPad up high and then I'll have a laptop also zooming in tilted mm. slightly lower so that you get an up close and personal view of my hands. And this oh, is something wow. to bring up to the studio if they need that or not. Sometimes I'll even do a pre-tape on my great you know, DSLR. I'll tape that portion and send it to the studio ahead of time already produced so that they can interject it in between because with Zoom you do lose a bit of that detail, Um, but you can compensate either by pre-recording a little bit or sending your still photography. Those process Mm. shots are invaluable in this process. And Mm. it also helps to send those shots so that they can see the finished product. Because again, showing the finished product on camera through a Zoom is great, always do that, but you miss some of the nuance. So send those stills over. Um, Trying to think, other things that I use, particularly when I am creating a pre-produced video, which is something that I would show on my platforms Mm -hmm. or through a streaming channel, I will have a lapel mic. Very, very important to have a high quality lapel mic, super affordable. You can find them on Amazon. I also have um, for panning shots with my DSLR yeah. a little dolly so it can move very slowly around. So it gets that real smoothness. Yeah, and I also have a um, handheld. Um, you attach your camera to it and it moves the camera independently. So it's very smooth. The name of it yeah. is escaping me right. Yes, now, I need more coffee. Um- <laughs> But it is wonderful. And all of these pieces are very affordable. They're simple. They don't take up a lot of space in your home or your studio. And they they can do multiple jobs. So mm-hmm. if I were to advise someone who is just getting started, I would say invest in a light stand, invest in a lapel mic, and make sure that you have a really up-to-date a computer or iPad to do your filming if you're doing Zoom.
1: Mm. I love the idea of the two camera setup for Zoom an iPad and a laptop, because when we're recording at home, we can have two cameras. But how do you do that when you're online? I love that tip. Amazing. So tell us when you are preparing the food, it must be a lot less stressful, right? When you're at home, you're like, okay, but do you still have three minutes? Does it still work like that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah,
0: even even more so because um, they can just cut you off. (laughs) Oh, no, no. So, um, and it, it takes some time, and you have to realize also with a Zoom there is that delay. So, understanding that you will in the end probably lose five to ten seconds, you know, yeah. in between yeah, there. Sure. Um, but yes, I've had literally make a cake in two and a half minutes, no, and via Zoom. <laughs> yes, so that pretty much means me throwing items into a mixer and saying, "Do this, pour it into this, and tada, here's your cake." But you know you learn how to do it. It's, it is easier in a sense to do it at home because again, you have all your utensils, you've prepped, you can just reach for it. But at the same time, you may not have those signals. It's much harder to read. You're not getting those co-host signals. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, uh, back in December, I was doing a holiday sort of content and I didn't finish. I just didn't finish. And it was, you know, it made me personally upset, but thank goodness I had the finished product ready. I had those still shots so that they could edit. And put it in, and you learn. You don't take it personally. You just, you know, learn from it and keep moving forward. And you didn't finish because they the the timing. No, I didn't have any.
1: any. Oh, the cues. and they also
0: cut me. They 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 chopped off a minute without telling me. I was like, oh, oh, (laughs) Oh. (laughs) which is half the show. (laughs) Which is half the show, but that's that's where that conversation comes in. That was. That was on me. I didn't double check. I just
1: assumed <laughs> that we had our three minutes. <laughs> oh, man. So have, this, have there been any other bloopers or, you know, uh, <laughs> situations where you're like, oh, okay, that didn't go well. Oh, I should have done that. Were there any such situations?
0: Always. And I, I'm very, um, I didn't type A. I like to go back and look at what I've done and try to improve. And yes, there have been bloopers. There has been co-host bloopers there have been times where again like where i forgot a product and that was pretty essential to the the recipe or a garnish element and then you just go with it You're like oh no cream no whipped cream oh well you just kind of tap danced and uh there was a time when a co-host we were making a cocktail and we were using i think it was brandy and it was great i love this co-host we're working, and they were a little bit younger than yep. I was. And suddenly we're on camera and he starts pretty much calling me old oh, for liking. <laughs> for liking this. And me being me, I have a lovely one-liner. <laughs> so we've had things like that. You just take it and you move because it's funny. You know, a yeah. flower exploding on set when you turn the mixer on too quickly, that has happened. You just play it off, brush it off your shoulders. You know, I've had things where I've dribbled sauces on my shirt. You're like, eh. Yeah. this is cooking this is real life just like julia child you know she's my idol yeah. she didn't let anything phase her you know things would fall on the floor things wouldn't come out you just roll with it because this is real life and not only will your production team appreciate you your audience will so connect with that yeah. facet of you
1: i couldn't agree more. Right? it's so natural you're suddenly like oh yeah that's happened to me <laughs> you know mm-hmm. amazing but so jesse for most of us it's like you know, being on TV is like the ultimate. It's the top of the pyramid kind of a thing. So you're there already. Where are you headed? or Where do you think that your learning ambitions or your future is looking for you in food content creation? Oh, goodness. You're so kind. Um, I am a forever
0: learner. I'm also one that wants to keep going to see how high. I can take this ultimately i would like my own show and i had a taste of that through a streaming channel which was lovely and i hope to continue to pursue that on a a cable channel or a a network channel and continue to audition but yes uh, a show and a cookbook I want to continue to teach and host because I think this is an element in our culture that we need to touch in on. We have a whole generation that is not comfortable necessarily in the kitchen, and I think that's a shame. And to realize that cooking and cooking from scratch with real ingredients and with finesse and enjoyment is crucial. So my goal is to do that through TV, to do that through a cookbook, to continue using the Food Blog School to help educate not only other food content producers producers but
1: also the general public and of course through the blog amazing oh my god that would be like wow okay so that's the top of the pyramid okay I changed my I changed my (laughs) time always with the goals yeah (laughs) but tell me one thing have you ever had any um because right now you are on other shows, it's not your own show, or you are working with a food product brand. Have you ever had any issues with using the footage or the kind of license or terms of use? Like, does it get complicated when you're just being hired for a particular segment? You know, so tell us a little bit about how the license works when you're on TV. Right, that's
0: a very important question. And I think, you know, this again is a conversation to have uh, in particular with the director of the station as well as the producer of the show. So in the past, most of my segments, I have been allowed to feature them in snippets on my website. Now, if I were to use them on a YouTube or to create a reel of my work, Mm -hmm. I would have to buy those segments. And it's a small fee. And it's very important though that you choose the best Quality segments, one where you shine to feature right. on your platforms, but also the best quality in the sense of production. Every studio is different in the sense of their equipment, of the the talent, of the studio itself, if it's you know pleasant to look at. So you want to keep those factors in mind. But oftentimes you should converse with that producer before ever putting anything like that on your site and then definitely seek and look into buying those segments to feature on other sort of platforms but in the end i've never
1: had issue with it but it's, it's again going back to that being yeah. respectful playing by the book and when you do reach out to other producers are you pitching are you allowed to send out those segments that you've purchased um, you, as a portfolio uh, That's a really great question. I tend to be on the
0: safe side. I will say in my pitch, this is who I am. This is what I do. I've appeared on such and such channels here, here and here. And I add the links from the station channel to it just so that I stay within that green zone um, because I don't want to misstep. But yeah, that's a great way of pitching yourself because You can show them your work. You can show them how you handle situations. I tend to uh, send them, you know, ones that are quite polished, but I'll send them a funny one. I'll send them a blooper reel, which, you know, in the end turned out really well, but they can see what you can do. And if you want to really create something that's polished and of your own definitely invest the time in creating a pre-produced segment of your own mm. or you can also rent out studios and you can rent out camera equipment and hire operators this is another facet that i know that other creators use as well so there's a lot of different ways to create that content in particular mm. to have it as a, a resume as of sorts
1: right oh wow that's interesting so Tell me a little bit more about like for somebody who wants to get into TV, is there like a pre-qualification or are there certain qualities? Like you said, this is one thing that someone can do just to show their camera presence or their spontaneity or their way of delivering dialogues or whatever it takes. That's one way people can showcase. But other than that, are there qualities or are there things that producers particularly look for charisma? I don't know. (laughs) What do you need? What do you need? Charisma
0: is is definitely part of it, and you, my friend, have loads of it. I can't <laughs> wait to see you on TV. Um, I I think that having that we call it stage presence in the art world. It's having that comfort level, that ability to relate to someone, and that you're animated. You show emotion. You show pleasure. You're you're able mm. to work quickly. That you're a conversationalist. Um, mm. That you're knowledgeable. I would I, my biggest Item that I tend to really encourage content uh, producers to remember is that you truly need to be a specialist in your field for what you're presenting, because that is half the battle. If you go on and you're on set and you don't have confidence in what you're producing, it will come across but also a lot of it is that interpersonal skill it's that ability to talk to have fun to giggle um and to really play on camera and i think that's something that's really important and it it can be a learned skill practice you can uh, (laughs) my children laugh at me but sometimes i'll talk to myself in the car as yeah. I, you know, <laughs> drive them to school before a segment, I'm practicing. I'm practicing. I'm yeah. practicing where I'm going to inflect, where I'm going to emphasize,
1: and always keep that flow going. Wow. So number one would definitely be be skillful and knowledgeable about your subject, and two is confidence, and three is practice.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and being playful, being that being playful. you know, again, feel like you're the host, you're the hostess with the mostess.
1: Oh wow. Oh gosh, this was so fun, Jesse. I have one last question, which is kind of tied to our last question, but you've seen so much of the big screen life that if you had to give somebody an advice, what would be your number one advice to somebody who aspires to create content for TV someday? Start
0: creating video now start creating invest either in a good camera or in a great camera phone Mm. start figuring out how you want your work to look so that could be stylistic i started creating video for instagram actually, just with my handheld phone, and it wasn't super polished, but it, you start to figure out how, how you decide what the important bits of the recipe are to show the audience. So that could be, you know, the folding of the egg whites for a flourless chocolate cake, or, you know, the water bath for a cheesecake, you know, just you're going to learn by practicing. And if you start to create those videos for yourself, you will have such a collection of food content to pull from that you can create either for Instagram or for a real for a producer, or for YouTube, but you want to really start to get comfortable in front of that camera, behind that camera, but also in the process of setting up the shoot, because mm. that is really half the battle is just knowing what needs to be shown, what can be edited, you don't need to, you know, see yourself peeling a um, an orange, you, you know, who right. no needs to see that, but the important bits and just realizing your style your technique and your personality on camera because it can be a little bit different so as i present myself here on the podcast i am rather giggly (laughs) and on tv i can be rather giggly and funny but it's a little bit more of a polished version of myself so yeah practice your camera uh your camera work what you want to create for that video and also your on screen sort of personality it has to be authentic it has to be part of you but get to a place where you're comfortable with that image
1: oh wow okay okay I'm on it <laughs> 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 wow but that's such a great you've broken it down so well for somebody to you know kind of you need to know how to to be behind the camera and in front of the camera, mm-hmm. but also remember your three minute timing and then how you would <laughs> segment. <laughs> I'm yes. sorry, it's just stuck with me. <laughs> no, three minutes, three minutes can be as long or as short as you make it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> amazing. This was amazing, Jesse. TV was such a mystical world and it is for many of us who have not had that exposure. You know, we've been on a very different side, a very different kind of a camera. So you've just demystified it. You've given us so much information and you've been so open and honest about all of it. So thank you so much for sharing all this so generously with us. It was amazing. Thank you for making us look so glamorous. (laughs) Really, before you go, can you just once again tell our audience all about your fantastic blog, your social media handles and definitely about the Food Blog School?
0: Oh, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And it's, it's honestly been an honor to, to appear here. And you are tremendous. Such a talent, both behind the camera, in front of the camera, which is coming, um, <laughs> through the podcast. Um, but yes, yeah, so my name is jesse sierra ross and you can find my work at straight to the hips or you can find my work on social media platforms at straight to the hips baby i also run a terrific clubhouse community full of food creators mixologists chefs food photographers influencers and everything in between called the food blog school and that meets every tuesday and thursday at 10 a.m eastern standard time where we discuss Everything food related, food content related, and definitely have a lot of giggles. And as always, with my TV work, you can find me on NBC all over New England. Fantastic.
1: I'm tuning into NBC next. There you go. (laughs) Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for making the time. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us. It was such a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you. So, guys, that was Jesse, and wasn't she just in? incredible. I told you she's a rock star. She's not just a TV personality. She's a rock star. Did you see how she shared all that information with us so generously, so openly? And there were so many takeaways from what she told us. So we all live in a kind of a different parallel world of commercial food photography, maybe editorial food photography, But food styling and content creation for TV for the big screen is a whole different ballgame. Now that is something else, right? Oh, wow. I'm just pumped after having this conversation with her. I'm like, wow. Sometimes we don't think of possibilities. And I think this conversation with Jesse is like, there is another world out there. There is so much to explore. There are so many opportunities, right? So if this is a thought that has been in your mind, something that you have contemplated, then you know exactly how to go about it because Jessie told us how to, right? Wow, wow, wow. It's so late on a Sunday night for me right now, but you should see the kind of energy she's left me with. I just loved this conversation. Everything from licensing to producers to what's on the set and how do you prepare and confidence and dialogue delivery and makeup. Wow, what a power-backed conversation did you love it or not did i ask you that already (laughs) well if you did please rate review and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening if you have a question please send it to jesse or myself jesse is extremely approachable she's one of the most sweetest grounded genuine people and she would totally be out there to help you with any questions that you have You're also welcome to send them to me on hello at MyFoodLens or send me a message on Instagram at Dutama underscore MyFoodLens. All right, with that, I'll see you next week with another episode. Until then, bye-bye.